Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler, as always, joined by my lovely co-host, Tom Lewis. Before we get started today, uh, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review the Indie Cornrows Podcast on Apple Podcasts. We're one review away from hitting 40 reviews, so uh, go go over, smash that review button before you start listening, and that really helps us out. Um, I always want to hear your feedback, thoughts, comments, anything. I'm always down to talk about the Pacers or basketball in general, so hit me up. Um, Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. I am actually feeling quite lovely today. So good. I'm glad to hear it. We have a, a lovely day in store. It's, uh, we, we got so far without talking about the weather, but now I have to mention the weather. It's like 74 <laughs> outside today. What is happening? It's November 10th. I know. I think it I snowed think here on day. Halloween. It snowed on Halloween and it's 70, 74 now. Like, I don't even understand so cool. what's going Man. on. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm I think this is our last day for a while, but uh, yeah. We'll it sounds it. promising. Nice. I slept with the windows open last night. Like I, I don't even know what, <laughs> what's happening here. We have so much stuff to address. Like it's all really like, pretty quick hitter stuff, but a lot uh, for kind of news dump um, in looking at this upcoming season. Number one, just because I already wrote on it, so I do want to bring it up. Um, and I wrote about this, I believe it was last week. Um, but uh, Justin Holiday is going to be very difficult to bring back now. Um, you know, before. Um, the, 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 the I'll just address it right away. I mean, the tax line has been set. The tax threshold set at $132 million. And so the Pacers are already almost to that threshold without having, you know, any, and that's with renouncing all of their incumbent cap holds. So like if you're renouncing the two-way guys, you renounce your car's rights, uh, even renouncing Justin's. So that, it, it, in other words, bringing back Justin is going to be very difficult. I know Ian Begley put out the other day that, um, He's uh, definitely a target for the Knicks, and the Knicks have a ton of cap room. Um, but Jay Michael also reported that he is uh, concurrently off that, that he's still, you know, as as long as the Pacers are offering a, a deal, um, he's pretty much option. Uh, I mean, the Pacers are pretty much option one for him. I don't know how much that changes with MLE. I do think it probably does because I think he's, just from everything I've gathered, he's going to command near the full MLE. Um, and just without some significant cap gymnastics, it's going to be pretty damn hard for the Pacers to offer him that. So uh, the, with the tax threshold set where it's at, instead of where we thought it was going to be around 139, that definitely hurts the Pacers in the, in the short term and, and potentially in the long term. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, none of the financial news is really good for the Pacers on this. But in particular with that, I mean, I think we inherently have uh, um, probably set a higher value on Justin than um, he may end up getting on the open market just because we see how many of the little things and great things he does that makes him so valuable. Um, and then, you know, when you consider all the other um, players out there and, and where the market may set, it may not be as bad as we think, but still it's going to be very tight uh, for the Pacers to be able to get him unless he's, you know, willing to do a multi-year um, creative deal that gets him in this year and, and um, they've worked it out. I mean, I know a guy like he has, has 
um, throughout his career, stability hasn't been a big thing. So, um, you know, years may be as valuable as a one-year value of a contract for him yeah, as well. Yeah, he's never so, had a multi-year deal in his career. So. Right, right. So a little security and, and if he likes the situation and all that, that, that has value. Um, as well as the dollar bills, but usually the dollar bills always end up winning out in the NBA. So, um, but you're right; it it will it will take some uh, some uh, contractual gymnastics, I think, for the Pacers to be able to get that done. Yeah, no, I think that's you bring up a lot of great points. Maybe we do overrate Justin Holiday, but I do think too. I mean, just from knowing some some of my uh, colleagues around the league, they're high on Justin. This. And I, yeah, I know one of my <laughs> one of my friends in uh, in Phoenix is like adamant that he should be their MLE target in Phoenix this year, and they also have a little bit of cap room, but we'll see. Um, obviously, the more not not even that it's more important, but other stuff to look at that's more league wide. The trade moratorium lifts in six days, Tom. Six days. <sighs> so I want to ask you right off the bat because I have my theory <laughs> on this. I I, I think I, I think it was when I talked to Derek Kramer of iPacers. Um, I, I really think that as soon as the moratorium lifts, there's going to be like three or four trades that go through right away. Like, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's just my my view of it. I could end up being totally wrong, but that's what I'm calling right now. I think it's going to be just like free agency was in the last cycle when you have like six deals get announced right off the bat, that even though there's oh, yeah. supposed to be no contact. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we may even start hearing, oh, these teams have a deal in principle whenever this is available, that type of thing, within a couple of days, you know. So um, I think now that the the kind of the rules are are, are set, then um, these teams and, and the front offices around the league can, can really start making their full plans and, and, uh, and making actual – deals knowing what they're dealing with as far as the salary and the cap so i, I think you're right um i mean they have to hit the ground running with this i mean it's a sprint to to uh get your roster together and then be ready to play um by december 22nd no matter how you slice it so um i'm sure i'm sure these discussions are going on in some clandestine form as we speak right now yeah well exactly because that leads us into the next point. Well, we already knew the draft is starting up on the 18th, correct? So, you know, two days after the moratorium, which that's traditional, the trade moratorium yeah. happens two days before. I mean, lifts two days before the, the draft. That's that's what normally happens. But two days after the draft is when free agency is going to start. So we're going to go from no deals or anything being able to take place to trades, dr the draft, and free agency happening within four days of one another. Um this is insane. Like I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the NBA to come back. It's going to be great to cover, but this is going to be the, the most absurd mad dash I've ever seen. Like I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on free agency opening, but I think it's the same thing with looking at trades and stuff. Like I think that there are going to be people who already have maybe not deals set up in place, but I mean, there's, we're kidding ourselves if we think that, that there hasn't been communication between teams and, and free agents with how long there's been off, um, you know, I, I think I look at it and it's like, it, I mean, it's going to be just nuts in free agency. We have the way that it's going to drop. I have no idea how to presume how that's going to, how that's going to go, but um, yeah. it's going to be very, very crazy. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, usually there's a crazy burst at the start when it is on the normal schedule, whatever in July. Um, and then, but then there's still a lot of active, not a lot, but there's activity, 
even into August sometimes that uh, usually cools down, but you know, mm-hmm. stuff players could get signed all the way into September. There's no time for that. I mean, like you say, everything has to be wrapped up pretty much ASAP. So, um, so obviously the, the big ticket, ticket items will go first and everybody will slot in and fill in. And, and it's almost going to be like a game of musical chairs with some of these teams. They're just going to be spinning and spinning and oh, no room here for you. So he's going over to another team and, and, uh, it's going to be, uh, furious. Like, you know, obviously we've never seen before. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, one thing that I do want to point out, that's kind of interesting. Um, so this off season is going to officially last 71 days, which is the fewest between any end of season and the start of the next season, in any of the major U S sports ever. So that's Sounds NBA, MLB, NHL, <laughs> NFL. I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I'm, <laughs> I just think that it's it's going to be interesting and it's going to be fun. Um, also, you and I probably won't be sleeping a lot. I imagine nobody who's who's doing anything related to basketball will be sleeping much. But I mean, we're just going to have to be total watchdogs, like watching everything. I know I was asleep last night when the news dropped. I woke I woke yeah. up this morning to like six notifications. Um, from Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams on my phone. I was like, oh, well, I guess I should have gone to bed 10 minutes later. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just like – All good NBA news happens in the middle of the night. That's a good point. Remember Kawhi (laughs) got it. Kawhi announced he was going to the Clippers at like 4 o'clock in the morning, didn't he? It was something like that. It was like insane. I I remember because I was up. I have no idea why I was up that early, but it it, it announced that early. And I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. But – yeah, I mean, I just think this this opens up the door for a lot of shenanigans, I think would be the way to put it. I personally don't think the teams are going to be super safe. I think maybe you'll have a couple teams that decide they're going to be safe. But with guys not – I mean, not guys, but with teams not really having, you know, cap flexibility, especially with the way that the tax threshold has been set, I think we'll see a bunch of teams try and cut costs and maybe shed some salary, um, you know, once the moratorium opens. But then also – I think we'll see teams shed salary in order to open up cap space for free agents that they want to go after, even though this isn't a great free agent class. I mean, there are still guys that you want to go out and get like Serge Ibaka. Uh, he's definitely going to be a coveted guy. Um, you know, I, 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 I just, I, I don't know. It's going to be wild. And I think you see um, there are so many ways that this could go. I, I just don't even know what to think. Yeah. And I mean, the, the kind of uh, for Tim at the Pacers and, some of the other small market teams, I mean, the way they, they are setting the, the, uh, rules on the luxury tax definitely won't help. It'll really help a team like Golden State, who's already staring at a big bill. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to, um, essentially kind of reduce the amount of tax depending upon the basketball related income, which is obviously most people think that's going to be a lot lower. Yep. So, um, you know, not only are the Pacers going to get less than, you know, whatever luxury tax they might get, there's other teams that who don't care about the spending part of it and will now be, um, you know, have no problem going over the tax because they know their, their luxury tax payment might not be as much. So um, that, you know, is, is something that's not, you know, the playing field already is a level just because of um, the various uh, revenue streams for each individual team, but mm-hmm. now it, it really is going to be tilted in favor of some of those big market teams. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
I'm not sure entirely, but I, I think there's definitely some merit to what you're saying. Um, overall, like, I mean, how do you think this impacts the Pacers and looking at the way everything's going to shake out? Well, I mean, you know, they're going to struggle from the financial end. Um, and I, you know, you think, well, then hey, the Pacers could go in the luxury tax and not have to worry about paying as much. But then if you're doing that, you're not getting <laughs> anything back at all. So uh, it goes back to the whole thing of how, um, you know, there's been times where we, we were hoping maybe they would make a trade, go into the tax because they were getting close to, to uh, making that championship run. Then an injury pops up, Paul George, Oladipo, and it's like, well, that doesn't make business sense to do that. Um, at this point, right, with this team right now and, and all the changes, it's hard to say you would load up front um, because, I mean, who are they, they going to add right now? Um, you know, and, and go to the tax, you know, it'd have to be on, on a trade or something. But um, regardless, it's it's going to be, be tricky to stay under the cap and get that tax money, but also improve drastically unless they do, you know, some major trades. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of what this opens up for me is that I think I don't, I, obviously you can't aggregate this and it's not like I would get aggregated. Um, but I think I would say I I could be wrong in this, but to me, this makes it more likely that a trade would happen. I know that they were going in right. uh, really flexing the idea of continuity um, and just going over with the same roster. But I do think the, the just the likelihood of, of Justin being on the team next year is, is a lot lower um, because, I mean, he'd have to either sign his cap hold or they renounce him and he signs a bet minimum. I just don't really see why he would do that um, after having the best season of his career. And he wants a, a long-term deal, you know? Um, so I think, you know, the only way that you're really going to get that kind of flexibility, they already came out and said that they're going to, to guarantee TJ McConnell's contract. So you're not losing any money there. I mean, I guess it could go back on that, but that's a terrible look for the franchise because they announced that like a shoot, like a half day before the, the tax threshold got set. Um, I wonder if that would have changed what they did. I actually, I don't think it would because I think it makes too much sense to keep TJ. Um, but I mean, in terms of if you're trading Vic or, um, or Miles or, or even Domas, or I don't know, maybe they just want to trade Doug or something. I, I'm not trying to speak anything into existence, but I mean, you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, like maybe they yeah. try and trade for somebody on a rookie skill deal or they just do something, get back a draft pick and shed salary, which I, I don't think they would do that either. But you get the point. I just think if they're going to, um, to make something happen this summer, it, it, it's way harder to make continuity happen. So I don't know. And I also would also say, uh, even though I just doubled up the also. Um, my question for you is, or kind of just like a pondering I've had, how valuable is consistency going into next year anyways? Like, I think we look at this team and we we talk about how, you know, Nate Bjorken was brought in to do things differently than Nate McMillan did. And I think that's kind of where I get caught up a little bit because what Nate McMillan was good at and his staff was good at was being consistent and having consistency in the regular season, always hitting the game plan, doing everything right in the regular season to win games. Nate Bjorken is here, uh, uh, at least my from everything we've been told and understand, it's because this team wants to win postseason games. And that's not to say that right. he's not going to be a good regular season coach, but I think you look at, okay, well, he's going to be more flexible. He's going to be more willing to, to test things out. And generally, that's not what the Pacers have been. And I think – that's part of the reason why they're able to, I don't want to say stack up wins because it makes it sound meaningless, but 
to an extent, they stack up wins in the regular season because they are just excellent at what they do and they don't really shy away from it. And that's also part of the reason why they've maybe failed in the, in the playoffs, you could say. So I, I do wonder a little bit if you try and go in with this idea of continuity and that's what you're going to do, that's, that's kind of the opposite of what Nate Bjorkman was brought in to do. And I think this is not to like poo poo or shot. I can't believe I just said that on a podcast, um, but not to, not to like crap all over what, what the Pacers are going to do. But I do think we could see them maybe struggle a little bit to come out the gates or, or just in the regular season a little bit, because they're going to be doing things differently than they have been. And they're not going to be that team that, um, is necessarily you know trying to maintain continuity or just have that consistency that we're used to. Yeah, I mean, and that, you're right. They they are trying to shake things up, and so if you're going to do some make some changes, I mean, now would be the time to got to do it. And really, I mean, the continuity part is all these all these guys have been here, but God, there's been so many injuries. Yeah, especially last year throughout the season at different points. You got different guys starting and, and doing well, but n- not everybody um, all at once. So we don't even know what that would look like, you know, with, with uh, fully healthy Jeremy Lamb and the roll off the bench and, and you know, let alone a fully healthy Depot and Brodman playing next to each other. And so um, I, I definitely agree that, you know, I would be surprised if they didn't struggle starting out of the game just with everything being new and, um, again, trying to uh, incorporate some new concepts and philosophies that Brooklyn is bringing in, uh, as well as, you know, they openly talked about, um, you know, maybe expanding that bench and, and giving other people opportunities to, to uh, see what they can do um, some of those guys fur- further down on the bench than they have in the past when, as you said, you know, McMillan would like to keep things at nine guys and, and on any given night do whatever he could to get that one win. So, um, I mean, th- those two things combined are, are make me feel like, yeah, definitely there's going to be a patience um, piece to this on top of the fact that, you know, the time, you know, there's, there's not going to be the preseason, summer league, all that stuff to – um, to get people familiar with what Bjorkman's doing as well. So um, it, it definitely could be a rough start. So um, we'll see how I, I feel like they are. You know, you talk about are they going to be announced trades and, and free agency real quick. I mean, I feel like the Pacers, uh, as much as any team, have to get all that ironed out as quick as possible as well so they can, they can come together and get going. Yeah, and so I think my last kind of point on that I just almost feel like if, and this is not to, again, not to like kind of besmirch the Pacers, but I think I look at it almost like if they're going to go all the way in and do what they've done and bring in uh, Nate Bjorken and totally shaking up the staff, I just wonder, you know, how, like, it makes me feel like they almost should just throw, not throw caution to the wind because that sounds careless, but I think you get what I'm saying. Like, I think, I don't know. I think if there, there's an Take opportunity to really do something here in this, uh, wants to trade moratorium lists and and trying to make something interesting happen and, and reshape the team a little bit because I I don't know I I just I'm a little bit cautious about the idea of okay well if everyone's healthy well I think just the nature of it no one rarely is there ever going to be the a scenario working out and I think we've seen that yeah. in the last two years so I don't know 
Maybe I'm being a little bit too pessimistic, Tom. You can tell me if I am, but I think that's just the way I look at it. I think there's a window to really try and do something funky here and make a mark. And you know what? Maybe they do swing and miss a little bit, but I think it's worth a shot personally. Yeah, and I know you know we, we talk about various trade scenarios and, and guys that should be on the market. And, and again, it goes back to uh, value. Thing. You know, there's the other side of the trade that, you know, they have to get something back that they um, – or will, you know, that they feel is an improvement or is going to move them in the direction they want to go. And so it's not just a trade for trade's sake. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, I no, think they're comfortable. I think they're comfortable if there isn't a move that is um, an improvement, then they probably won't do it. Maybe do it later in the year if possible, or, or if things go well, they won't. But, um, you know, I don't think that they necessarily have the, you know, the gun to the head type trade situation um, just to change things up. But I would definitely think they'd be looking at, you know, opportunities where they could, you know, improve at different spots around the floor. Yeah, no, I think my, I would just say like, I don't think that they have to make a trade, but I do think there's a chance to do it. There's obviously no gun to the head, but I just think when you do all this stuff to kind of shake up what you're doing and not be that, um, the team that, that they've been the last couple of years. I don't know. It's just kind of maybe uh, again, this is, this is why I'm not in the front office. This is why I work in, in talking about things and, and writing about them because uh, I, I think a little bit too much to, uh, to, to work in the front office. Or I think I should say I'm a little bit too indecisive to be in the front office would be the better way to put it. It's so much easier after the fact, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Tom, do you have uh, anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? Uh, no, just real quick. I'm pretty, I'm excited about the Caleb Canellis, uh assistant coaching hire. I was wondering if that might be the last coaching hire. I, I feel like um, with with uh, Greg Foster and Billy Bamo, they have enough coaches. But I, I always thought they might get a veteran guy who, you know, a Mike Brown, Alvin Gentry type guy who's been a coach before. To be on that bench, um, and I don't obviously. I'm not saying those two guys in particular, but a guy like that, yeah. um, um, you know, kind of like Nate McMillan was on the bench with, with uh, Frank there for those years. Um, so I, I don't know if they're completely done with with the coaching hires, but I do like Canellis. I I wrote about him uh, um, in uh, when Nate McMillan was two games away from getting fired. They were in town and were absolutely pummeled by the Pacers, and it was a mess on that bench. The team was – the Blazers were, you know, a disaster, you could tell. Um, but Canellis was, like, coaching his ass off and keeping – really the only guy left fighting and keeping them going. And um, he got to be the interim head coach, which I thought was appropriate after watching that up close. So um, I've always kind of – Kept an eye on him, and I, and I, I like the idea. You know, he's he's a guy like Vogel and and Bjorkgren, and you know your Brad Stevens guys that come up through the ranks and and do it through scouting and video work and and eat, breathe, and sleep the game. So, um, not going to be a bad guy to have around. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think my I have a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, um, is Bano the oldest one on the on the bench right now? Because I think Foster's in his forties. I know Caleb Canales is only forty two. Nate is like a 44, 45, somewhere in there. Um, is Bano the oldest? I'm I think, assuming. 
because they're they're a young staff considering you know like i i agree especially because uh you know i was talking to uh, a couple people about this yesterday i don't know if danny manning is going to be on the staff because mark stein it you know, sound mark, like it. yeah mark stein had that report that he was like a leading candidate to, to become an assistant coach yeah. with the pacers but nothing else has come out since then um so i'm kind of waiting to hear on that before i'm i'm gung-ho that he's going to be part of the coaching staff i guess you billy Bano is a guy he's what billy Bano is a very young 58 very young. oh wow okay i did not realize so yeah he's, yeah um but yeah so i i well yeah so i guess he brings a veteran presence to the bench and i know he he was a head coach in uh in college so it's, right right but yeah no i mean one thing i do have an eye on i don't think it's going to happen because there's no real ties um unless you want to say g league a little bit but they i don't think they even coached together in the g league but Chris Finch is officially not being brought back by Stan Van Gundy. So um, ah. keep an eye out for that. Um, that is something yeah. I'm hopeful for. I think that would be really just, – just because that would be awesome to watch, to, to watch him do some master with the offense. But uh, we will see on that. Can't wait. Yeah, definitely. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see it sooner rather than later all of a sudden. Yeah, no, it feels well, we have to. Oh, Oklahoma City still does not have a coach. I want to point out they are uh, six oh days gosh. away from oh, the trade trades being open, uh, <laughs> eight days away from the draft, and ten days away from free agency, and they do not have a coach. So that is a uh, that is exciting. Um, Minor detail. Yes, it's it's interesting, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, we'll see what happens around the league and, and with the Pacers as well. Tom, this was fun. I always love getting to catch up and talk some Pacers. Uh, we have a lot coming up, a ton coming up. Draft stuff is coming up soon, um, starting tomorrow, actually. Um, my draft piece will be out by the end of this weekend, hopefully. I think so. Yeah, it should be. Um, yeah, a lot of things. A lot of things. It's going to be a very, very long month, Tom. But I'm excited. I'm ready to, to, to jump into it and cover it. Um, have a good rest of your day. And to, to everyone listening, please be sure to, of course, go read us over at Indie Corners. We'll be keeping you up to date on everything there. Follow us on Twitter. We'll, we'll be also keeping you up to date. And I occasionally post really funny pictures of my dog and post funny things as well. So uh, just have a good rest of your day. Be sure to do that.